knowing that you're out there putting the message out and I guess just having the opportunity to, to share what I think we need to do and what and what we are doing. And I think just uh, you, you push and get the word out as much as possible because you can have a, a significant influence on what's happening. Try this bad boy out for science. You are welcome to take a seat at the table where we use a new lens, where humanity are stakeholders. Different distinctions encouraged, intention starts from a no-judgment zone, a certain age is not criteria, and where you become comfortable with the uncomfortable to facilitate a new conversation. What's that? We can't what? Can you set a background on this? I have no idea. I've no, never actually, by the way, we're live. I've never done it on that way. I've got a background that is set up. I try and do things that are real easy <laughs> and just uh, step it in. But then things fall apart, even though you have it all sorted. Like today, I don't know, where are you based right now? Uh, Brisbane, Australia. Brisbane, yeah. So I'm in Sydney. And okay. I don't know if you hear that, you guys up there, but a couple of days ago we got hit by, it was so short, this amazing thunderstorm, and it just crashed out all of our internet, literally down our street. So we've got none of our normal internet, and we're sort of doing, I'm doing the MacGyver sort of uh, <laughs> moment this morning, and I had a call at 5.30 a.m. where I was actually an amazing conversation with a global leader over there. You're wanting everything to go right. And nothing went right. Absolutely nothing. It glitched in and out. And I'm like, wow, this is just crazy world we're living in sometimes. So anyway, when and then my headphones decided they didn't want to work and then you can get on here. So we've had a fun moment with technology, which is quite interesting considering I think some of the conversation we'll have today. So welcome to the decision table. This is literally just, just conversation where we learn more of the insights of just the thinking and uh, maybe just asking questions that haven't been asked before and we continue to learn from that both you and I as we continue this conversation because I don't know this one of the things that I'm having right now is conversations every day with amazing people and using different lenses and this month the lens on the decision table is around the importance of what I think is the muscle of human intelligence. So for me, human intelligence, putting it real basic, is the data in which us as humans gain from our world, gain from our DNA, gain from whatever it is that comes into us and then the output of that. And, and you know, I think we're in an environment across the world right now where we can use that data well. And we can not use that data well. So I'd love to hear what you think when I say things like human intelligence. Well, when you say the muscle of human intelligence, I sort yeah. of think it's a little bit weak at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> I agree with you on that one, and we can talk more about that. So, by the way, there's no judgment zone on this one. We go whatever layers we want to here because I think that's how we learn, right? Like what is working, what is not working. What do you see is working right now across the globe? Uh, I think uh, the thing that's working, and it's really been part of a result of the, the COVID virus, is that yeah. there's a, a more basic understanding of just how much impact fossil fuel and fossil fuel mm-hmm. vehicles are having on the globe. And um, you know, there's 
I think a better understanding that you know, fossil fuel might be causing climate change. And the skeptics out there say it's not, but it's definitely <laughs> causing pollution. And that, that pollution impact is what is impacting humanity. And yes. as a marine biologist, my great concern is what's happening with the oceans. And, and people yeah. don't realize how important the oceans are for our global survival. And in fact, this point in time where humanity is very comfortable on, on Earth. And um, yeah. we don't have the oceans right, we have nothing left. Yeah. So let's talk more about the pollutions. What pollutions are you seeing? Well, just take a, an example of a fossil fuel vehicle. It steals our oxygen, replaces yeah. it with toxic exhaust gases, and then you've got all the um, side impacts associated with that in cities. You know, that's why they're banning fossil fuel in uh, cities like London and New Delhi and other places like that because they realise the impact. And it's, it's not just a probably more hazardous, actually, than smoking cigarettes. Mm. And so let's go deeper into the impact because I think part of what this is about is creating awareness around even what the problem is. So it's you see a problem and you're seeing that there is an impact from that. What is that impact that you're seeing? From the pollution? Yeah. Yeah, well, just health, health, environment, yep. and the biosphere impact, you know, there's... Uh, and trans, every bit of the, it's a, it's an economic impact as well because in the fossil fuel industry is really, um, what's the driver of the world economy at the moment, or it's been positioned that way. Yeah. But still people are thinking in that way. And it's time that there's a new change in the way, uh, economies are run. And if we pivot more toward, uh, economies that run on energy and clean energy, we mm. a new space. And in fact, if you really wanted to take it away down the track, you'd say, let's convert currency into energy. Hmm. And how could we do that? What can that look like? Well, at the moment, you know, you're paying, if you've got uh, hooked into your power, you're paying 30 cents a kilowatt hour. So yeah. the kilowatt, kilowatt becomes the basis of the monetary exchange. It's common everywhere. Everyone can measure a kilowatt. And in fact, that's the way we're moving with our electric vehicles. You'll have uh, our electric vehicles. We're running a trial now, as you know. We scored three five million dollars off the federal government, but it's mm. a very clever global first, and it's an AC bi-directional uh, mobile energy management system. It's part of the vehicle, and in effect, what it means, I can come to your house, uh, Kimmy, and um, mm -hmm. plug in yeah. vehicle, do an analysis of your of your house circuit. So yes, this is safe to take some energy from, and uh, it'll take energy or give energy depending what the the grid is demanding at the time. And if you turn the air conditioner on, the vehicle charge rate will drop back, so it's not overheating your wires. In fact, it won't overheat your wires anyway because its drawer is about the equivalent of a two-bar radiator. But um, wow! At the end of the end of my uh, visit and a coffee, friendly coffee with you, I, absolutely. <laughs> I, I take the plug out and my vehicle. Through the electronics, it settles with your um, power company. Job's done. Mm -hmm. It's all done exactly. And if you wanted to compare it with anything at all, it's much like the behaviour of a mobile phone. You, you don't think about it. You use your mobile phone. You make calls. You book things. You buy things on it. And that's what our vehicle we do. Wow. So I love this because you've seen a problem and you've gone, okay, part of that problem is the fact that we're polluting 
and this has got a major impact on oceans and things like that, economy, humanity, you name it, right? Like we've recognized that on this already. I love the fact that you've created a solution that can really, I mean, it narrows that gap massively. I don't know that everyone's going to come on board straight away with that because humanity are these funny creatures where change is not something that, you know, they embrace really quickly. Any thoughts around that? I like that point with you because you got if you have a mobile, you got a mobile phone? I do. Yeah. And this is effectively a mobile phone on wheels with a lot more benefits. And one of the key I benefits one of the key benefits is you don't have to go hunting around once a week to find a petrol station to fuel it. You yeah. have fuel stations at home. And um, in fact, the other great advantage of it is that it's like a mobile phone. You plug it in and um, mm-hmm. leave it. It's uh, just a large battery on wheels. And the key advantage, which I think is what will pivot people, yeah. is running cost. You know, people are very sensitive on the hip pocket and the running cost of an electric vehicle is a fifth of what it is. Uh, equivalent in fossil fuel, and if you're if you're running solar at home, or well, different story mm. again. And see, that's where the pivot's happening. And this is where the big opportunity is globally. That most many Australians now got solar, and they've yeah. got the home. That's their home fuel station, and it's energy direct from the safest nuclear reactor around out there in the sky, and you convert that energy from the sun to the converter. It can be wind turbine panels, photovoltaic panels, directly to electricity. Short, mm. simple, clean. Hmm. Where did you get interested in all of this? Where did this start from? Well, always, I'm a marine biologist, my, my mm. training. I've always been involved trying to raise awareness about the oceans. You know, it's been yeah. a long, 68 now, so it's been a long career doing that. And I was a teacher for quite a while set up quite a number of different organisations that were focused on the marine environment and Mm. uh, set up a company many years ago called Get Green and we purposely called it Get Green just to um, focus the thoughts of our commercial clients because greenies were considered the uh, enemy of the economy. Yeah, 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 totally. What we're demonstrating was that by following our energy management solutions, they were saving money. And we save mm. many corporations significant money in their, just their operating costs. And from, from that company, we sort of branched from energy management, energy management, and, uh, energy saving devices to, um, uh, solar farms. And, um, yeah. and, yeah, naturally we're, and how this is generated, actually, we're talking to one of the developers of a solar farm and mentioned their interest in EVs. And he introduced us then to Dr. Charles Kahn, and he's got a different background himself. He's a nuclear engineer. He's mm-hmm. also chief engineer for the high-speed rail that runs the length of Taiwan. Wow. Uh, key, ma- key manager in one of the leading autos in Taiwan. And mm. uh, so I'm talking now about the history of where we came from. And then, yeah, fascinating. Uh, yeah, and then he, he's partnered up with Gerhard Kerr. Gerhard Kerr is a modest German he says he is. He's a German, but he's not really. He's <laughs> unusual for a German to be that modern. I was thinking, yes, and the, the Germans I know aren't quite like that. So, yeah. Anyway, he just calls himself a mechanic, but he worked with Ernst Tomka on the smart car in the early days, mm. yeah, 2000, 
And that's where some of our, if you look at our vehicles, some of our genetics come out of the smart car. And then he was responsible for developing an FRP division for Benz. Now he's out in his own and we think, we're pretty sure at the moment, he's one of the global leaders in 100% composite production technology. And Australia is really at a critical, and a very, it's a critical point for Australia to start to re-establish itself as a manufacturer. Mm, agree. Take some leadership in the world in the green energy area because you know Australia's got abundant reserves of uh, sunlight and land. Yeah. Energy. So we see that as pivotal behind what we're doing. Yeah. And the two great advantages we have with our vehicle is a global advantage. One, 100% mm -hmm. composite. So if you wanted to, if I explain a composite, basically a plastic vehicle. What we've got in our agreements with various universities where we're working on green plastics and recycled plastics for manufacturing the vehicle. Uh, mm. And we're using a clever smart cell manufacturing technology developed by Charles and Gerhardt that means the vehicle can be produced at one third the energy of the equivalent and about 50% lighter than other vehicles in its class. So we think mm. we're on a, it's a great opportunity for Australia. And if we, we grab it and run with it, we can be a a real influencer globally. And we know that's having impact because we're talking now with countries offshore that want to set up pipeline uh, agreements with us. Do you find that a lot of the time it's the offshore conversations that are easier <laughs> than the local conversations? Well, I can't deny that one, really. Kill me. <laughs> I, um, it was embarrassing at the start, actually, because um, yeah. we had... When we first started talking with Charles, he said, "Yeah, why would I talk to Australia? Yeah. We convinced him and he came out and he visited and he said, Greg, done my research, great ownership rates in Australia, three times where, you know, where I come from. And he said, uh, the site you've picked out, perfect. Mm -hmm. I've been looking at, and he met, he met with Treasury, Queensland Treasury and yep. a few other. Anyway, he said, but Greg, the government doesn't seem to have any appetite. The auto industry just let go. Um, I can't see anywhere, and this was 2017, early 2018, I can't see anywhere um, evidence that the government's setting up any real policy for electric vehicles that gives me confidence in investing here. So we can argue that point. He'd come out to do his due diligence, and um, anyway, we persisted and persisted, didn't give up, and uh, now he's, we've convinced him, uh, despite all uh, the rhetoric in the, in the media, and mm. uh, they've been out three times to Australia, and he, uh, uh, he and Gerhardt now, with the progress, particularly securing that $5 million grant off the federal government, he suddenly realised that maybe there is a pivot happening. And, yeah. Uh, he said, you know, Greg, I've said that losing the auto industry was a bad thing, but actually for you it's good because you've got no competition. Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah. And, but, There's a lot of truth in that right and, now. Yeah. But that's a big error. We're not auto. Mm. Before we're really a mobile phone. It's got seats and wheels, and it's cheap. To no, you're around. a plastic mobile phone with wheels, <laughs> <laughs> with a lot of genetic smartness in there. From the yeah. sound of it, I love. I really, really love that. I think this is interesting though, because I think it shows this gap that we have, particularly over here, 
And, you know, with the borders closed, it makes it quite difficult globally to be having these conversations as well if other than being online and, and making sure you're in the right spots or whatever it is. And I think with, this is either a it's going to hold us back as a country uh, uh, or it's going to help us now get on the same page globally and move us forward in that way. Whether it's, and in this case, in the renewal, renewal I can't even say that word right now. Renewables. You can say Thank you. <laughs> energy side of it right like we have this opportunity as a nation right now to be you know manufacturing this and leading in in a way that is just amazing but i think there's this gap between this is amazing opportunity and reality of australia taking that on board and seeing that and really you know like obviously you're making some shifts along there but i mean they could escalate that this could be the next big thing and you know start changing the global sort of thinking around, you know, whether we should be dealing with Australia or not. No, you're correct. And, and Australia's in a really good position to jumpstart itself after COVID. And yeah. And difference here and globally. For example, already we've got over $2 million worth of reservations of vehicles. Um, mm. And the factory's not, not even built yet or it's not ready. But, wow. Um, and um, it's people have got confidence and can see the value in it. And, yeah. um, and in terms of uh, the other things you were saying, it is, it's a huge opportunity and it's a shame. We've been sort of shovel ready for the last 12 months and it's just mm. a very slow process that our investors have had to come from offshore. We can't really yes. secure much interest here. Um, mm. And yeah, even with government at the start, it was very difficult. But, um, South Australian government, get it. I met with the Premier late last year. And, mm. uh, and we're, we're pretty optimistic about what can happen down there. We've got some great partners. As you're probably aware, we've had one company join us. It's um, going to convert our vehicle into fully autonomous. So down the track, you can exactly. buy, your, buy your ACE uh, Australian Clean Energy Electric Vehicle next year. And in two or three years' time, so I'm getting sick of driving it. I'll put a plug and play. Um, Autonomous drive kit in it, and so then, and then myself, I'd, I'd like a personality. I'd like a personality for the car, so you put that in, and effectively, when you walk out in the garage, it'll recognise you walking out, and say, "Hi, Kerry Marie," and you'll say, "You might have a name for the vehicle by then." You say, "Good yep. morning." It'll recognise or recognise your walk. It's recognised your voice as you get closer. It'll mm. face. It'll open up. That's it. No keys. Wow. We are in crazy times. I love the fact, though, that you've had smart people come together and go, hey, here's a problem. Let's figure out how we can, you know, create a, a sustainable solution because this is what it is. And I really love it for that reason because we're not leaving behind, you know, devastation for our the next generation and the generations and the generations to come. Actually, it's springboarding to what is possible and opens up so much, op you know, opportunities going forward both if we bring it as a manufacturing thing here in Australia because of course you know that's going to boost the ec economy here it's going to give you know positions for people to have roles within that company and the growing of that and I that's exciting 
I love the fact you had smart minds and you use those smart minds to come up with these solutions. I think, and one of the reasons I talk about this and, and is one of my absolute, I, I'm writing three, three white papers and this is one of the white papers, which is the importance of the muscle of human intelligence is that I think there's a lot of smart humans that have forgotten how to think for themselves, how to use those smartness or aren't even at the tables to be able to innovate new solutions. And one of the things that has come out of these conversations is the fact that there are so many awesome humans doing amazing things across the globe. And most of them are feeling extremely isolated right now and not coming together, not, you know, yet if, imagine if those, some even some of them came together as a collective the solutions we could really innovate and bring change where did it come from for you guys that you go no we're going to connect this piece this person those you know and and get this happening in that way oh well, i think it was the, it was the idea and to be honest we i wouldn't be talking with you now elon musk hadn't have done what he's done you know he's broken barriers left right and center he really has he, hasn't he yeah, yeah. he's ignored ignored the establishment so that's opened the door for us and to be honest that mm. the, the group we have we've got some of the cleverest people on the planet working on our um it's amazing our energy management system you know out of silicon valley france and then of course our own people the other thing i'm discovering is that we're being approached now by uh, some of the leading auto suppliers mm. as well because all the components will need very high tech stuff and designers you know, some of the world's best designers and some of the world's best are Australians living overseas. And Crazy, right? Our, C- <laughs> our CTO in Paris, you know, he's, he's farther than me and he, um, he's been overseas 30 years and he's just itching to get back here. He just loves what wow. we're doing. And, and the passion there, Kiri Marie, is for the future. Uh, everyone yeah. on the sees this as a solution for our grandchildren, because if we don't do something, they're going to be mm-hmm. overwhelmed with increasing weather changes and uh, extremes of weather and, and, and events like, you know, the bushfires we had. Yeah. Um, I've got 10 grandchildren. I don't want to leave them out. Yeah. I'm the same. I've got actually three grandchildren. On, so yeah. I have started that next generation of the generations as well. So, you know, and, and it's extremely important to me as well, like that we are, creating sustainable solutions at the table and we are using our brains to the to bring our smartness to the table as well and combining that i think that this is interesting around the whole if we all of you uh, it fascinates me to be honest that such smart people have come together and not seen it as individuals and gone well you could be smart on your own create something but as a collective, you've joined that together. And and I know it's funny that I even keep going on about this, but I'm seeing it a lot where there are so many individuals. And yeah. one of the things that I saw when I was traveling the world and doing a lot of my work, literally nomadic, and we took our families with us and, mm-hmm. and our family with us and we dedicated three and a half years until the borders closed us down and then we sort of had to put a hold on that for the moment. And, uh, you know, and part of my work was in amongst a lot of culture and learning from many different aspects to decisions being made at top decision tables to what was actually on the front line of humanity and needed and then seeing how how we do that or don't do that and, and what we can do to sort of narrow that gap. 
And one of the things that I really saw, and I began writing about a year and a half before, you know, this pandemic hit the world, and that was what I called isolation. And I started saying it was like an epidemic that I saw amongst not just leadership, but across humanity. And one of the things that I'm seeing right now with leadership is some are wanting to bring change, some are starting to bring change, some are doing their own thing, but it's all very individual, it's isolated. And, you know, that comes from, if we think of Australia and where Australia is, this ugly thing called the tall poppy syndrome. And, you know, that, that like if we are, we, we don't want to be doing and encouraging other people because we just want to be doing our own life and everyone doing it at that moment. And, and then there's the other side of it where, you know, there's people who go, well, this is my thing. This is my IP. And I don't want to be sharing it because what if you take this and, and go? And, and then, so there's many things that can kind of stop and, and keep you going as an individual. But to work as a collective and then to come up with something that can literally change, you know, massively across the globe, that that's huge. And we want to be able to do that more. I'm not sure that we can. I want to. And I'm, and I'm definitely on a mission to find out the, the amazing pill or answers or whatever it is to it. But it's a, it's a challenge as a collective to come together and to bring the change as a collective. Any thoughts or insights around that? Yeah, look, I think you could say at the moment, where's Australia going? You know, what's the picture? Yeah. Uh, where will we be in 10 years, 20 years? What will the place look like? Mm. I, and present, well, I can't see the picture. I'm not sure what it is. So we're busy drawing our own picture. And drawn yeah. is that you know, we want a cleaner environment. We want people enjoying um, life, having more money to... Um, spend on other things other than running vehicles, having a vehicle that's as useful or more useful than a mobile phone. I keep coming back to the mobile phone. Okay. Yeah, a, a cleaner environment. The idea with our vehicle is that it lasts a lifetime. It's not meant to be, you know, you buy it now and then a new vehicle comes out yeah. and buy it. The way it works is that if, say, in two or three years' time, you're a bit sick of the look of it, you go into your local dealer and say, I want a skin change. And effectively, you change the skins, give me a different appearance vehicle, and mm. a few updates inside, and you drive out a new vehicle effectively. And so it's a cradle to grave solution. As I said, we've got universities yeah, working on, on the skins, and we're already looking at hemp nanoparticles in the, the skin material uh, with a bioresin. So there's no dependence at all on fossil fuel. Mm, so powerful. What a, what an amazing solution. Okay. So let's switch this a little because, you know, your, your passion is ocean and, you know, that's where it's all come from as well. What are you seeing? Obviously, when, uh, before COVID, you know, there were so many planes, there were so many, you know, things happening to our oceans across the globe. What are you seeing now with COVID that's been a positive thing? And how do we keep making sure that obviously we can do it through the cars, but what else are you seeing? And, uh, and uh, look, COVID was a good wake up call for the planet uh, in yeah. terms of waste. You know, you and I are now having this conversation. I've had a huge number of meetings globally um, and mm. got in and talking at a person to person level instead of going through the normal boardroom. Yeah all the other cultures that exist in organisation, actually talking to the person and it's 
it's made achieving things much easier. It's actually helped springboard things things for us in terms of who we could meet and who we could talk with. Oh, that's amazing. Twelve months and the fact that there are less aircraft in the in the, in the sky that's not an issue. That's good. Uh, yeah. In terms of the oceans, they're still suffering because um, what's happening is they've acted as a huge carbon sink. You know, all the carbon dioxide has been produced, and everyone's carrying on about the carbon dioxide levels. Uh, you know, to accelerating uh, climate change. Most of it's gone into the sea. The sea's been protecting us from the worst of it. And so, um, and it's lifting, slightly lifting the acid levels in the sea or the pH. And yeah. that, of course, affects life in the sea. The other bad thing that's happening or damaging thing that's happening is overfishing. You know, we're, yeah. we're taking far too much out of the ocean. And at the same time as we're overfishing it, we're busy pouring all this pollution into the ocean from every country's got its own bilge water basically running out into the, out into the sea. And uh, we've got to, we need to clean those things up. We need to give the oceans a chance because they provide 70% of our oxygen. And that happens in the top, it's a nanoplankton, a phytoplankton, but it's a nano-sized plankton. And that's a, the whole ocean surface is like a massive leaf. You know, generating oxygen and we muck that surface tension on the top of the water up pollution whatever else it affects that sort of that everything so and if you want to bring it into context if you might shrunk the um earth down to the size of a basketball a cup mm. of water that's a cup of water that we've got to protect wow so how do we protect it other than cars well we just change change the way we discharge all the waste from our cities for a start uh, yeah, but you make it sound so easy. Yes, we just, <laughs> it's no, no, not no, an no. easy thing, right? So how do we do it? You've got to get the conversation happening. And then once yes. and people see that pouring all this sewage into the ocean is really a huge waste of resources. Yeah. When you look at how much how much a week do you spend at the supermarket, where does mm -hmm. it all go? You know, yeah, through your body, yeah. out to the sea. And it's, yeah. it's as bad as burning fossil fuel, you know. It's uh, inefficient. I mean, it, there's nothing wrong with fossil fuel going into road materials, into plastics, even plastics, because mm -hmm. it's stored there. It's not being burnt and pumped into the atmosphere. And it's just a, it's a silly, silly use of a resource. And, and the human waste is a resource for different things, but to pump it out into the oceans, and it, where it goes is toward the bottom of the ocean. And uh, they had a massive problem years ago on the uh, uh, east coast of, Oh, west coast of the US, where they were pumping the sewage and it was just filling up an under, effect, effectively an underwater valley. And then it overflowed, it's finding fish kills, everything was happening because of that. And that was probably a bit of a wake up call then to start treating the sewage effluent a little bit better. But there's a long way to go with that. And as I said, you're spending, you know, say $200 a week on food and it's being pumped out into the sea. And way more than that. Yeah. <laughs> it's even worse. I hate to admit it, but it's the truth. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, look, look, here's the thing, though. Like, so you're you're saying let's have more conversations around this. Let's create awareness. This is one of the things that I think is a fundamental, and then what I believe is the need for a new approach to leadership, which is that we're having different conversations like this and and creating awareness around it. How do we get more conversations like this? Because yes, now at the moment we can get some more people talking, but then we need to be able to bring that to the what I call the decision table 
and be able to have more of those conversations. Who do we need at that table? How do we get them there to see that this is even something that maybe we could have a conversation around? You probably asked David Attenborough that. Uh, he must be one of the most <laughs> people on the globe. You know, his yeah. life in nature and he can see what's happening and they still got people calling him a make-believe, I guess. They just, yeah, he must be very frustrated, but he's got a lot, a lot of people following him. He's done a good job in raising awareness. And, mm. um, it's important to get to the decision makers and for them to understand. And unfortunately, that usually rests on they look at their hip pocket, how many votes they'll get. And so you need to convince the punters that what is in their best interest is to follow a track that's more sustainable and yeah. has actually economic benefits. And I see that with the uptake of EVs, that that will be a real learning experience because people suddenly say, well, going effectively, I'm going green, I'm using energy efficiently and having less impact on the environment. I've got more money in my pocket and uh, life's much better. It's much much nicer driving an EV. You pull up the traffic lights, yeah. silent, stops, and uh, no gears. And if it's a four-wheel drive EV, it's got more power and more um, traction than a uh, typical fossil fuel vehicle. No, I love that. Here's the interesting thing because the third third thing that I'm really speaking on is bringing humanity as stakeholders, at, you know, back to really bringing humanity as stakeholders at the decision table. And so what I love about what we've talked about is from these new approaches to how we can do it to then going, let's use those smartness to help make sure that humanity and environment, by the way, this is not one or the other, but for me, it's, it's humanity as stakeholders back at the decision table. And in this case, we can add environment in there as well, right? But when we're talking about things like that, we know that living in a, in a place that is not as healthy for us or our, our environment, that that is going to have an effect on who we are and, and how we, you know, are being effective or not effective. And, and, you know, so for me, it's pretty interesting conversation when you go back to stakeholders and, and you were just saying that get the decision stakeholders really at that table. Well, humanity are the stakeholders. So how do we, we get it from those that are making decisions actually realizing that humanity need to be? The stakeholders. Well, it's 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 conversation. You know, you've got to have people join the story and understand yeah. it. And uh, well, I like that. Join the story. Yeah. And, and identify with it. Once you identify with it, it's an easy story to to uh, pass on. And we need some good storytellers. That well, you know, we don't need more Trumps. We don't need people like that. That. Oh, really? What makes you say that? No, don't go there. <laughs> we need another f how many hours? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you know, we just we need some people that are we're part of nature. If we don't look after nature and take care of nature, you know, we're doomed. And we've got to be sensible about the way we do things and you, know, you don't tie it all to money. You know, the people that are involved with our group at the moment, they didn't join the group because they thought, Oh, we're gonna make a killing out of this. They joined mm. the group because of what we were focused on doing. And then yeah. back if it works, well, you know, they'll get a bit of money out of it. But uh, mm. I'm just amazed that they've come on board. Some of them get extraordinary amounts of income. And they've come on board and said, mm. no, probably no, Greg, till we see how things go. I love that. So that means that your your story needs to be really strong. 
Yeah, yeah. and a good story. You've done that well with what you you're involved in. Yeah, I guess so. I must have told some sort of a reasonable story because we got a no, because that, like that's what they're coming and, on board with, right? And the beauty of it is, is that they're adding to the story. They're adding great chapters. You know, I just oh, I love that adding to it. Uh, yeah. Uh, that's awesome. So what if we were, all of us were to change our story or add to the story? How can we do that in, in Australia and then across the globe more? Well, you're, you're a good example of what, what you're doing, you know, just talking mm-hmm. about it, more people thinking and talking. Yeah. And that's the, the real trouble is getting the story out there. You know, everyone's got their own little story and it's sort of hidden yeah. most of it. And you're one of the people out there helping get the story out. We just need more mm-hmm. like that and people with a bit of integrity and, you know, focused on something that's better for the future. And, and, and I think it's innate that people recognise goodness in people and, you know, that yeah. what they're proposing is good for the, the globe. And some just get fascinated by the division and all the other things because people are a funny group. Fear is a good motivator. and Fear of the unknown, even a better motivator. And then if you can throw in a few wild stories that got no factual basis but sound good, yeah. you, you start, you cause, you cause disruption. Yeah. So what I love about your thinking is that you're thinking more future. I find there's a lot of people that are thinking very now thinking. How, how do you feel so hopeful about an uncertain pathway? Well, um, I don't know that it's that uncertain. I think, you know, we've got a pathway like sure about and um, mm-hmm. we could get stopped, but I don't think it'll happen. And we've just, the idea is too powerful. The solution is too good and uh, it makes economic sense. It makes a sense for the biosphere. It's all pluses. And, you know, the, the funding that we're uh, securing was based around the sustainability development goals of the United Nations. We ticked off nearly every one. And uh, mm. so it's, yeah, no, I, 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 and I lost track of the question there. Sorry, Kira. No, that's actually really, I, I love that answer because I think that that's, it's like there is no uncertain pathway for you, Ford, because you're really certain about where you're heading, the story of where it's going, the pathway forward. And, and I love that. And I think that that's such a pioneer thinking and spirit and that's where we're going to get the change that we're needed you know we're needing and i think that it's a kind of a lost art if you don't trust in your smartness if you don't trust in your vision if you don't trust in that you can still innovate really sustainable solutions and and so you know and i and i love the fact that you're role modeling that out there because i think like you said, if we get those stories of those that are doing this, then we can see that there is hope for a pathway and a lot of the pathway is actually predictable if you come on these journeys with us, you know what I mean? And we're not hearing enough of the story. Yeah, no, look, and there's there's a lot of people out there that don't have the confidence and, and if you've got a, if you've got a yeah. and that's that's the fact of it and they've got great ideas and they just haven't persisted. I mean, we worked on this for five years, and, um, mm. <laughs> and you know, if it, if it doesn't succeed, well, I just buy a sleeping bag and find a memorial park bench for my wife and Harry <laughs> Bay. That'll be my my home. But uh, we're pretty confident things will go well. 
I love that. But I think that that's why you can be and do what you do is that, hey, the bigger driver is actually outside of your world of you. And, you know, even if it all fails, I've got, I can do this and, and I'll pick myself back up and I'll do whatever it takes. But, you know, you know that this is part of a sustainable solution that is actually, you're, you're seeing it come together. You're seeing it, you know, moving along from problem to solution and uh, you're giving it all it goes. What helps you to stay confident? Oh, just the people around me, you know. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah they got some. Great ideas, and uh, it's a strange. I, I can't. It's a bit hard to describe. It's a. It's a strange way the organisation works. And the other time I saw it was uh, with the Tasmanian Wilderness Society, and you know I, I took some action many many years ago over the uh, when they're trying to dam the Franklin, and and people just came together. You know, they sort of almost as if they knew exactly what had to happen to make this work to reach it. Mm-hmm. An endpoint, and it's the same with this. The group we've got now, they you know, there's no sort of demarcation saying, "Oh, you're the, you know, you're the, um, the, the tool maker or whatever else." Everyone mm-hmm. just sort of feel knows what they're doing, contributes, and if something goes wrong, no blame. They say, "Well, let's see how we can fix it." Oh, I love that. That's really powerful. What you just said, then. You know, we're almost finishing, but I want to, I I had this conversation with this amazing woman yesterday and she's, she's the head of connections. Well, she's the director of the parks for connections, human connections and environmental connections. It's quite an amazing uh, role. And she's in Dayton, Ohio. And one of the concepts and the, the, Amazing things that make this particular role that she's in and the model work is that it's quite unique. They look at, what was it, uh, 90% of keeping it conservation side of it and only 10% of development. And I thought that was a really interesting concept. And they changed what the look of what Dayton is from being the worst place to being the most beneficial and advantageous with just as a community and then bringing other people into a community. Like they shifted it from such a, you know, one extreme to the other. What would be the balance for you? If you think of that as conservation, us looking after Australia, us looking after our across the globe, what percentage would that be of development versus keeping it in its natural resources and things like that? I thought that was an amazing model, and I'm you know it's it's really made me quite curious now. Yeah. Now look, the electric vehicle is really going to have a, a significant impact. It's taking 24% of the pollution out of the environment for a start. Once you, oh, That's so good. The uptake occurs. And as I said, I think it'll be a change in the way people think. Mm. And nature has got to take precedent because we're, we're part of it. And uh, yeah. if we neglect it or damage it, uh, we're basically cutting off our own hands, our own feet. Yeah, amazing. Okay, so if anyone wants to connect with you and learn more about what you do, where's the best spot for them to do that? Our best thing is just to go to our website. There's a subscription link there and uh, start the communication that way. Yeah, I love that. Okay, so I do this on, this is the only question that I ask on every single decision table. Everything else is whatever comes with the conversation. But 
One of the things that we have established is that awareness, you know, for me, there's some fundamentals to leadership. I think it's less about telling these days and more about what are the lenses we're using within leadership. And so I've got a few lenses that I think are really important. So one is awareness. And then I think there's ownership, change, and then sustainability. And and I think, well, okay, cool. Now we've created awareness through our conversation today, you and I having a, a conversation on here. But my question to you is, what are you taking away from this conversation today? What are you owning on this? Today, I'll oh, just knowing, knowing that you're out there putting the message out and I guess uh, just having the opportunity to, to share what I think uh, we need to do. and. Mm. Know, and what we are doing and um, yeah. I think just uh, you, you push and get the word out as much as possible because you, you can have a, a significant influence on what's happening. Yeah, I love that. What am I taking from this conversation? I think that there's, I've loved what you talked about, the renewable energy, and I'm going to have to learn to say that word because for some reason I'm struggling. I'm dyslexic, so, you know, that's my disclaimer to <laughs> often difficulties <laughs> either in spelling or saying some words. That's a poor excuse. You're doing very well. <laughs> Thank you. I've worked very hard to be able to say things well and and to actually make sense because a lot of the time my brain was so intense that it was really hard for others to understand. So I've had to do a lot of work on that side of it. But, you know, one of the things that I'm taking away from this is really just understanding again. And, and I think it's that combination of how environment humanity and then the solution that we're bringing how we can really take on board all of those things i think it's less about individual looking at a particular thing and then going hey we should be just creating the sustainable solution that only fits one piece of this i think there's so many more pieces and what i've loved about this is you've created more awareness for me personally around you know some of these these things that we don't hear being talked about much i love just giving you the space to tell me how you think about things because a lot of the time maybe just your normal life but it's not always the normal life that everyone else is experiencing and so for today for me i'm totally grateful for like being able to to be exposed to this conversation and create more awareness around that and then see how that can help to, you know, you said use your your influence to bring the change. And that's what we're, uh, like I'm really looking at is how can we, we use all of these stories to maybe come together more as a collective to be able to actually bring so much more change. And, and it sounds so easy in theory and it's great in my brain and it's not so easy across the globe to be doing this, but, but it's not impossible either. And that's what I love about today's conversation. Now, look, I've enjoyed it and it's good to have the interest. You're, and, uh, you know, the questions you asked haven't been asked before a lot of those questions. So it was interesting. I hear that every time. <laughs> Uh, but here's the thing: what if you were leaving people with something? What would you leave them with today? Or like, are there some some insight or some thinking or a story even that you'd uh, love to leave? I think I think the simplest thing is what's best for our grandchildren. Focus on that. Mm. 
Oh, that was that was a winner in itself. By the way, how many? So, how many grandchildren did you say you had? Ten. Ten. Ages from? Uh, from twelve down. Twelve down. Wow. And so they are starting to really develop some of their thinking and what they want to get involved. So I have a question on this one because one of the things that's come out of using the lens of the importance of the muscle of human intelligence, one of the things that has come out of, and I'm finding this quite fascinating, is is the fact that it's, yes, we now know that we want to use that muscle. We want to bring some of these intelligences to the table to be able to innovate these new, beautiful, sustainable solutions. And that starts back in the younger generation. If there was something that we could help teach and develop around a program for younger generation to not have to wait till like maybe your age, my age, and we're slowly, you know, putting together these things now, then what would you suggest or have you got any thoughts around what how we could develop something that maybe could be helping our younger generation to to be able to do this better too? Look, I think really it it depends on their parents and the examples that mm. that you give in, in, in life. In effect, the kids nowadays, they're really now They've got an opportunity and they're showing it. Great yeah. deal of intelligence and cleverness. Uh, you know, they're, they're given a hard time. There's some kids that have terrible lives because of the conditions they've been brought up in. But yeah, uh, there's great opportunity there. You know, my, my grandchildren, I can see already kids, in, they'll be influential as engineers, lawyers. Amazing. All sorts of things like that. But how do we nurture that? Because I don't know that the system really helps us to nurture that, right? Well, I was doing it when I was teaching Marine. Uh, you know, we um, I set up, I developed courses and um, I did, did my bit there and you know, impassioned quite a few people, I think. But it's just, it's got to be a focus more on the biolo- biology side of things and mm. community, not just focused on the... And it's, it is changing. The, the concept is changing, I'm sure. But I, mean, I don't know if I can give you much advice there now, but uh, I think it's... it's I all, like hearing whatever you've got to say. <laughs> yeah. It comes back to example and mm. um, uh, doing the right thing. And, yeah, and, yeah uh, that sort of is part of the makeup of your children and your grandchildren. That, you know, they'll, they'll think of others and be considerate and, you know, Minimum full footprint on the, on the earth in terms of what they do. You know, not wasteful and not um, yeah. not greedy. Wow, I love that. Thank you. That's so amazing, and thank you for sharing your insights and your droplets of wisdom. I, I love hearing it. I love hearing from your perspective, and you know, I know that I've taken some things from this, and I'm sure our listeners have as well. So I'm going to end the broadcast. Don't you run away quite yet, though. I'd love to have a moment to. So, amazing droplets of wisdom for you from today's episode. Make sure you subscribe, ensure you leave an awesome rating and review. Our hope is this podcast creates a new awareness, activates ownership to what is next, a curiosity for the need to be part of the change, and to make footsteps of sustainability from today onwards. 
If you want to further your journey with us, then apply to join us at our next Leaders Movement Parlay. The link is in the show notes. We appreciate you. Help us to help build a tribe who make humanity as stakeholders. To achieve this together, recommend this podcast to leaders, innovators, and movement changers. Big love until we see you on the next Decision Table Series podcast episode.